Hi, I'm Clark Rogers, and I'm Enterprise Strategist with AWS. Enterprise Strategists are former CIOs, CTOs, or in my case, I'm a former CISO, who led a transformational change at our previous companies, including cloud migration, prior to joining AWS. The majority of my time is spent speaking with customer executives through their digital transformation challenges around people, process, and technology. One of the most common questions we receive is, how does AWS do it? And that's the entire point of the following series. Chad, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to be here. So could you please share a little bit about your background and what brought you to AWS? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, I've, I've been with AWS about 11 years. Um, you know, we've been doing, doing uh, security and compliance ever since I've uh, started back in 2010. And, uh, you know, I came from EY where we did a lot of uh, security consulting, a lot of business continuity consulting. And um, that, that background was really good to help me doing what I am today. And that is, you know, security compliance for, uh, for AWS. So as, as the head of security assurance at AWS, what, what are some of your primary responsibilities? Well, our, our primary goal and mission is to help our customers move regulated and really sensitive data to the cloud. And that comes, a lot of things come along with that. You need to be able to prove internally that you've got, you've got your environment is secure. You also have to audit uh, AWS, make sure your supplier, AWS, is secure. And so that's where we come in, where we prove uh, through audits and certifications and other direct kind of audit engagements, uh, that the the things we're doing in the background, the things that the customers can't see, mm -hmm. is secure and uh, and compliant with um, all the different kinds of regulations and certification standards that we we adhere to. So you have internal teams, uh, internal compliance teams, making sure that AWS services meet a certain bar. I imagine you also work with external third-party auditors and, and regulators? Yeah, yeah, so that's most of our work is related to the external engagement, engagement with external auditors, uh, regulators, regulator examiners, and customers that are also performing audits on AWS, doing their own due diligence on us. Got it. So, you know, AWS is, is famous for being the largest startup that's out there. We, right. And we move very, very quickly and we release uh, products and features to customers as, as they ask for them or as soon as possible after that. Uh, I imagine in your world, you're looking at, you know, this control and that control and everything has to be perfect. How, how do we, and, and specifically your team, meet that need of still being able to move fast, but then meet the compliance and security assurance goals? Um, that's a great question uh, and one that uh, we constantly challenged on, you know, I mean, we, we definitely uh, want to keep and maintain that, uh, that culture of moving quickly, iterating quickly, releasing great uh, products to customers. Um, that sometimes goes at odds with what we're trying to do, and that is uh, make sure the processes are documented, the controls are documented, and that we have all the controls needed for big, comprehensive you know, compliance frameworks like, you know, FedRAMP or ISO or, or others where, you know, they require a comprehensive, you know, control framework and processes that, that match what the industry expectations are on those, on those best practices. So uh, that, is a, that is a challenge uh, sometimes when what we're doing does not actually conform with what maybe traditionally uh, other companies might, might uh, be doing. But the great thing about, um, 
uh, working here and, and being part of this team is that, you know, security is job zero. And, you know, the reality is if you can get security right and you can invest in security and everybody's on the same page, um, the rest of the compliance stuff is pretty straightforward. I, I was going to say easy, but I meant uh, it's pretty straightforward, meaning um, we can go document, we can we can kind of trail behind the um, what, what everyone's doing and formalize the documentation, document the processes in ways that resonate with those, uh, with the auditors and with the regulators. Um, sometimes um, there's some things that we need to do and improve, and over time, that's as, as the auditors get deeper in what we're doing, we are uh, helping improve things as well. But primarily, like because we have security nailed so uh, so well internally, both from the tactical point and the leadership, you know, sponsorship point uh, perspective, then it, it really does make it so uh, our job is pretty straightforward. But yes, we we uh, our team also does a lot of um, things to help enable, you know, relieve the burden of the compliance processes and the audits. Okay. Uh, from our service teams. We do that as much as we can. And as we do that, and as we get better at doing that, the more we can scale, the more we can do more uh, more of these kinds of audits for more customers and more geos. I'm glad you brought that process up. Uh, many customers struggle. You know, They have applications that they make available to their customers, and they have to audit them. Um, sometimes that's a you know, write the application, put it into production, and then the audit team takes a look at it and makes sure it meets whatever standard there is. Mm -hmm. I would imagine at the speed and scale that we operate that uh, there may be some automated artifacts that come from the development process itself within yep. AWS that helps everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's one another uh, issue of, uh, of things we have to, we're challenged with as we scale is how much of the evidence can we gather uh, independently versus where we need to, you know, require some kind of engagement with the development teams to say, we can't get this evidence ourselves. We need you to provide the evidence for us or talk to the auditors for us. So our ability to provide services, the services to our customers, our inter the internal developers, uh, uh, services such as, you know, doing the documentation, gathering the evidence, um, kind of making making sense or framing up what they're doing in and how the um, the auditors want to see it. Uh, that the the better we are at that, the more we can scale, the more we can expand our compliance frameworks to other different types of certifications, other different types of customers, and other geos. So, do you have talent within your teams that actually writes code to help gather evidence, and do you develop your own programs to do that? Yeah, that's a good question, and that's that's a question that I often get from uh, from customers. In that, like, how do how do we structure the team in that regard? For as far as how technical are we? Right. Um, you know, we do have a team. I do have an engineering team that does this. That's uh, that's a kind of a, a control automation team mm -hmm. and a uh, like a workflow uh, team that does uh, things like evidence, uh, you know, enablement for evidence collection and things like that. Um, it's really important that that we have this team. It is really essential because we're we're dealing in our organization with a bunch of developers, and we need to be able to speak their language. We need to not only be able to speak their language 
but also we need to know what tools they use. We need to know, understand how they develop code, how they deploy code, how they secure that code, what they have to do to launch, what they have to do to operationalize their, their services, uh, updates, uh, things like that, you know, providing new services. We have to understand it in such depth that, um, that we, can, uh, we can then build tools that plug into how they work. And that's a, that's, I think it's a big key because a lot of times you'll see a compliance team or program with none of that understanding. Right. And then they just kind of end up throwing over the wall a bunch of requirements with the compliance hammer of, hey, if we don't do this, we're gonna be in trouble. Um, uh, and, and that really isn't like a good way to, um, to really enable scale. It, it doesn't scale. It, it can be done that way, but that actually doesn't scale. The only way to scale is to be really embedded to, way, to the way that they work Mm-hmm. And uh, and take that and enable uh, enable them to do their work just as they normally do without any any interference like compliance specific interference. Right. Um, uh, if if we're really successful at that, then that makes a very very scalable compliance program. That sounds a lot more collaborative than some of the stories that I hear where people avoid the compliance people altogether. Yeah, yeah. I imagine with this, uh, people don't avoid you in the coffee room or anything well, like that. Well, and, and that's, a, that's a good point. Like there are many times when um, the, the tech leaders will, will come seek me out to better understand what's required and, and kind of how they can help support me and my team um, because of that, because they understand that this part of the business, the compliance angle for us, AWS, it's uh, it's absolutely essential uh, in order for our customers to use us for those regulated workloads. Otherwise, they they just simply can't. And there's a big bit of our customer base we couldn't serve if we were if we weren't doing that. So they understand that, and they they seek me out many times to help better coordinate a line and get resources and things to help to help support their 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 business. So Chad, you meet with a lot of customers and regulators and auditors. What trends are you seeing from those groups as far as how they look at cloud service providers and how they go about auditing them? You know, five years ago, I thought for sure by 2020, we are gonna have a situation where auditors share evidence and we don't have to ask for evidence over and over. Right. Well, that hasn't materialized at all. <laughs> like, like if anything, they're backing away and saying, you know what, our evidence is our own. We need to subjectively uh, or objectively uh, take a look at your environment. We need to be able to um, draw our own conclusions. And if you've gathered evidence for somebody else, we're not gonna accept that. We needed our own testing and our own sampling. And so, um, Unfortunately, that's the case. So we have to get very, very good at generating evidence. And our evidence generation uh, capability has grown uh, to, to match that, but we're, we're still, I mean, we can always do better because it, it is a difficult part of it. But I would just say, overall, I would say people are getting smarter. They're, they're asking the right questions. They're asking deeper questions. And we, um, we are getting better at answering those um, just with all the experience we have with with these customer auditors and regulators and, and, and external auditors. I, I, I would imagine exactly as, as you said, that as people are, you know, cloud is no longer a novelty, right? Right. It's, it's being used everywhere and by everyone. Therefore, people are getting a lot more experience with it, so they know which questions to ask. Yeah. So um, I know, you know, we have some customer facing tools like AWS Artifact that allow customers to take a look at our third party attestations. Uh, is there anything else that you make available to regulators, uh, you know, 
they may or may not be customers as well to help satisfy them um, yeah. as far as our controls go? Um, well, I would say that first off, uh, customers that are using AWS and they're validating their supply chain, um, those, those kind of audits are very different because we have to put in context what, how they're using AWS um, with what we do behind the scenes that they can't you know, observe. Right. And so we have to, we help them with that, and it's a it's a it's a, a more straightforward conversation than a than a regulator that's not a user of AWS. Gosh. They'll come in and they'll just be, start asking questions like based on how they think we're managing we should be managing risk and things like that. It's it's a, a bit more challenging than uh, because we don't have any context of their use to put it in right. So so um, when customers ask us, it's a really great partnership. We, they, they tell us how they're using AWS. They basically explain to us how they need to articulate their use and the supply chain of their use to the regulators. And so we'll, we can help them and they, we can point them in the right directions. And there's a, it's a very good and positive uh, uh, you know, partnership there. Uh, regulators, it's just a little bit more uh, broad right. and asking questions that don't uh, don't have that context. So it's just a it's just a different challenge. But we still like I think one of the one of the takeaways that um, we've taken away in the past couple of years, and that is to treat our auditors and our regulators and our customer auditors like real partners. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's that's something that you know, like you said earlier in this interview. A lot of customers or a lot of people in general just don't want to deal with compliance. Regulators are here. Oh no! Right. Like let's shut the doors. <laughs> Everyone, shh, don't say anything. You know, and that really creates uh, kind of barriers between the two organizations. And I think that those barriers exist everywhere, uh, especially you know, you know, with big banks and their regulators or healthcare companies and their regulators. It's mm -hmm. there's sometimes you know the the level of partnership varies. But we see with us and with our customers, those that have a true partnership with those examiners and auditors, um, it makes it so really they can help each other out. Because auditors um, and examiners are, are, you know, their customers too, really. Even if they're not using AWS, their sure. customers, they need to understand, they need to accomplish some things. And the, the more we're proactive about helping them accomplish what they need, the faster it goes and the better experience it is. So. Um, uh, we we really have learned that lesson where you know being a true partner and really engaging with them in a positive way mm -hmm. is really the best way to go and probably the only way to scale any of this uh, in the future. So in in that same vein, what kind of uh, mechanisms, training materials, education materials do you make available to? regulators and third-party auditors so they understand the cloud better and maybe how to audit it better? Uh, I think gone are the days where they come in and they don't know anything about the cloud. Okay. You know, I think back in 2012, uh, the the GM of S3, you know, uh, was, was in an audit meeting and the, the auditors asked, what's S3? And then later he pulled me aside and said, why are they asking me these these right. very basic questions. And so uh, it, those days are gone. I mean, there's just so much material out there. Not only do we have like the Cloud Academy, uh, some materials that we've developed uh, that's uh, cloud agnostic training, mm -hmm. uh, as well as AWS specific and tra training. Uh, there's like, there's tons of better training and knowledge and understanding of the cloud out there. So we're, we're not a square one anymore. We're at square two or 
maybe even three, uh, when, by the time anybody comes in. So um, uh, we, we though, uh, we need to help keep, get, get those ramp, those examiners and auditors ramped up. And we have internal materials that we have. We, we have something called the Digital Audit Symposium where it has a lot of the um, narratives and the control narratives and things and, and presentations by, uh, by the control owners and mm -hmm. the, the GMs talking about how they operate their uh, operate their their service and in relation to the controls. So we have a lot of that stuff available, um, but it only goes so far because, like I said, the the whoever's coming in to do the audit will ask their own questions and dive deeper, and we we have to we have to answer those on the fly in an interview kind of format. And that's just the mm -hmm. kind of standard in the industry. But we are getting better and better as we write more narratives because whenever we get asked a question about something very specific and deep, we will say we'll write a narrative on it. And so then the next person who asks us, we have a narrative ready and, and so they can like more easily read it and understand it. So uh, in you know the security world, as, as from a broad lens, it's very difficult to find talented security people, hire them, train them, and then retain them. Yep. I imagine it's the same case with security assurance and compliance professionals. You would be right, yes. What, <laughs> can you talk through a little bit how you sort of ramp someone up, so a new hire, and then how do you keep them engaged? And, and how do you make security assurance a place that people want to work? Yeah, uh, I'll step back a little bit and say that, you know, the difficulty of, of hiring really good technical security people today is that uh, we're competing against like some pretty amazing externally facing services. Mm -hmm. And they're, we're all trying to kind of hire the, kind of the same people like developers and System, or, you know, system designers and things like that. Um, uh, we we have to compete, and and a lot of times, you know, in our world, when you've done a really good job, nothing happens, right? Like sure. there's no there's no breach, there's no like escalation, right. just nothing happens. And so, uh, but when you do something really good in like the services, like something happens, you know, right. they get release a product. Everyone's excited, you know. There's there's revenue. There's like you know customer engagement on the sure. you know, and so um, so we're kind of competing against that. But but what uh, what we have, you know, security professionals have, is there's a there's a an aspect of of really being good, like corporate not corporate citizens. It's like really being a good contributor to the to the overall good of the security of the entire industry. Right. And so there's an aspect of that where what we're doing here, we're developing internal processes that we externalize, internal services that we externalize, helping the entirety of all of, you know, all of our customer base to do security and compliance better. And so there's that aspect of it. And those kind of people who really like value that or do really well on our team and really love working working compliance. Yeah, nobody nobody uh, is in college thinking, I want to be an auditor. I want to be a compliance engineer. Like nobody really says that, but uh, but when they come on our team and they really kind of catch the vision of what we're doing and how we're helping customers, it is a very, very broad um, value proposition to all of our customer bases, base and not just those using particular services. So there's there's that. And that's, that's one thing that we have uh, where we kind of develop Develop that. So when we hire people, uh, often we don't hire those with traditional compliance backgrounds. Um, maybe because uh, it's that traditional 
animosity that they mm. you know they have maybe with the with the service teams or sure. with developers. We don't really want that. We we want to we we want to get away from that. So there's not very many uh, people. There are some and some very passionate people about uh, about about doing this right and scaling. But um, uh, traditionally, they might not be as technical, mm -hmm. and therefore we it's, it's not a great fit in our in our. But um, when we get those that are uh, have they kind of need two Amazon leadership principles to do well. Uh, number one is the um, the learn and be curious. They need to be able to be curious and and get into the workflow of our of the developers to understand mm -hmm. what tools they're using. Like I said, right. you know, understand how they do their work, and that takes a lot of technical like you know curiosity in order to be able to to do that properly. Um, and so uh, the second uh, leadership principle kind of they need is um, to invent and simplify because we are doing things and we are inventing ways to do compliance yep. that nobody's ever done before. And I know because when we ask our, you know, ask colleagues in other forums and conferences and stuff, there's just, there's no, no one who can, uh, has to deal with the scale that we have to deal with. And so we have to invent our own things, sure. our own tools and our own services for developers. So um, I would just say that those, those are the two kind of leadership principles that we, that we really need. Um, and as we, as we bring people on, um, you know, we, we'll hire them from all over. I, one of my best people was an electrical engineer and uh, huh. you know, by, you know, with, he, he went to school and got his electrical engineering degree and did something else in electrical engineering and then came over because he was very, very curious about what we were doing and saw the value proposition and really, he was, he was one of our best people. And so um, that's the kind of thing that we like. We like a little bit of diversity in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the educational background and the corporate background. I mean, we have a very, very diverse team in that regard you know, the background and thoughts and like where they're from locations and, and, and all that are, are very, very different. And it really does benefit the organization because we can think outside of the box. We can think of ways to scale. Um, the more I involve my team and the more they get involved in that aspect of it, where they're doing industry leading things mm -hmm. and scaling at unprecedented rates for different, you know, different activities and different uh, processes. They get excited about it, like we all do. I do, right. because uh, you know we're doing we're, we're we are paving the way and 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 really exercising thought leadership in 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 this realm. And so, uh, I, and the other exciting thing about it is that it does apply to much of our many of our customers too. There's there's more of what we're doing that could benefit customers than I think people realize, and we're kind of in a you know really really working on not only developing those processes and developing those tools and enablers, uh, but we're also trying to externalize them through our other services, you know, to help, to help our customers uh, leverage our, le our lessons learned. So Chad, the last 18, 24 months has been difficult for everyone with the pandemic and people having to work virtually and from home and coffee shops, et cetera. Yep. Uh, how has this remote work affected your team and their ability to you know, do their day-to-day -day and then add the, the features and services that your team does to help support the different development teams yeah. out there? Yeah, there are certain aspects of audits traditionally that are kind of don't make sense. Like visiting a data center, 
You know, like in many ways, they, they, the auditors want to visit a data center mainly because they can check the box that they did that. Right. Um, or they want to meet in person because they have to check the box that they did that when actually they can get the information they need from something else. Like a data center walkthrough, our, our, our data centers are so instrumented. We can gather any evidence that you need, including camera coverage, you know, like remotely, why would you need to go to a data center? Actually, going to the data center doesn't actually help you do that. <laughs> and so uh, we, you know, before the pandemic, we just had all these um, kinds of engagements where really it wasn't actually necessary and took a lot of time, especially you know, traveling like what, you know, with data centers all over the world. And when we need to coordinate a data center walkthrough in Singapore, well, then it ta that takes like an entire week out of like an entire you know group you know the auditors and our time, um, and so the pandemic hits, and we can't do any of that. And at first, it was really hard for the auditors to like say, "Okay, I'm not going to come to the data center." <laughs> you know, um, but what we did was we really worked with them. And said, "You know how we've been telling you how instrumented we are? Yes." Uh, well, let's let me show you how you can do all your procedures that you normally would have done in person, uh, remotely, and through like a virtual reading room, mm -hmm. so re review documents and and video conferencing to do interviews and uh, you know sampling. You don't need to be there for us to you know generate the you know to download the the system table that, that describes something you want to review. Um, we can provide it to you in a secure way and show the chain of custody of how we right. downloaded it and all that. Um, so uh, because it's forced everyone to do that, all of our audits got way more efficient. We've been able to, uh, to speed up audits. We've been able to not only um, uh, get them done faster, more efficiently, but also we've been able to um, uh, do a lot of different things in parallel where normally we'd have to do it in serial because mm -hmm. we had to do all the travel. So, so there's a lot of benefits to the audits themselves. Plus, we've been able to uh, really rethink what's really necessary in order to uh, get get the control like statements validated or the control processes validated. Um, the pandemic, in, in in many ways, have have enabled us to step back and maybe forced us to step back and forced uh, the auditors to step back and rethink how they're really getting assurance in our environment. We've taken the time to build more tools. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, different ways to uh, show, like I said, a data center walkthrough. There's a virtual data center walkthrough walk uh, tour now. Mm -hmm. um, there's, um, uh, I mentioned the digital audit symposium, which is instead of getting everybody in a room and lecturing, we now have uh, kind of like a virtual place to do that with videos and, and things like that, which makes it so they can do it on demand on their own time zone. And we don't have to, uh, you know, hit up the service team leaders, and the GMs to come uh, present over and over to the, to the customers, basically the same information. So um, it has made those, uh, those kind of other audits and other uh, engagements and educational, um, you know, events that we have much more efficient. So it's almost sounds like auditing as a service. Yeah, auditing the service or, you know, just like really focusing in on those things that matter and and maybe the traditional stuff that we did for 20 years, you know, are they really needed? Some of them weren't. And so we were able to, to do the right thing and get to the right 
the right procedures and assessing the right uh, controls. That's awesome. So if if we shift gears a little bit to the to the customer perspective, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm a customer and I'm going to start up a security assurance program. Uh, clearly, I'm not going to start day one at the at the level and scale of AWS, but how would a customer go about getting support for their own internal security assurance programs? You know, you talked about having development teams. That's not, quote unquote, a standard operation that I see with any of our customers. Some of the bigger ones are starting to think that way. But how, how does a customer sort of lay that groundwork with their senior leadership to say, this is important and this is the kind of investments we should be making? Yeah. That's a good question, and I think it's different for many customers. You know, most customers have some unique situation in their business that, uh, that, that makes the value proposition of security and compliance uh, different. You know? um, and, and in general, like, obviously, security is important, and compliance is absolutely essential uh, in, many, uh, in many aspects. Um, and so you do need to build the program. You need everybody needs a security program. Every everybody needs a compliance program, whether it be, you know, security compliance or legal compliance or whatever. You need you need to be compliant with laws if you right. want to continue to be, do business, right? Um, but I would just say, like, uh, the probably the number one. Um, well, well, first first off, there's the activity of selling that fact of the value of a security compliance program to leadership. Right. And I think that's a that's actually a business, that should be a business decision, okay. right? Um, not necessarily like, you know, some, some person's like, you know, obligation or their job to go and try to convince an entire leadership team that it's important to have security. It should be a CEO level like decision that we're going to take security seriously. So once you've decided that and you understand the value and you want to invest in it, how do you go about doing that? Um, I would just say that um, as as we were talking a little bit about understanding the um, the real processes of in our case the developers, um, that's that's probably the number one thing you have to really focus on. Most most people start with okay what. What control frameworks do we have, and what do we have to? What are the controls we need to um, we need to comply with? And mm-hmm. let's document those controls first, and then go to the business and tell them that they need to do these things, right, uh, or achieve these objectives. Um, if you instead go and really dive deep into how your businesses work, mm-hmm. whatever business it is, in our case, it's a bunch of developers, right? right? how they work, how they get their jobs done, what tools they use, all that stuff is super important because we have to intimately understand it before we can like introduce anything new. A lot of times we don't need to introduce anything new because of the way that the work is being done. Or we'll we'll do the job of interpreting the control frameworks to how they're doing their, their work. Right. And so that activity, no matter what business you're in, the marrying up of what they're actually doing and how they do it with what's required and what kind of interpretation that might require to you know apply to your organization that activity is the most important it's and and probably the first thing that you need to do in order to get a real great partnership going between the compliance team the security team and the business um uh, many times we we get that backwards and i think that you know that's that really has been the the key to our success, not only at the beginning, 
but also just ongoing. Like the, the only reason we're successful ongoing is that we're very intimate in the way that AWS developers develop, you know, design, develop, deploy, and maintain software. And everything else kind of revolves around that. Chad, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great being here. Thanks, Mark.